to the Magic of the Spheres podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Welcome if you are new here. What you are about to hear is a audio version of a astrology forecast that I shared to my YouTube channel, Sabrina Monarch, so you can also see it on video there. And this podcast is a place where I share both these forecasts as well as interview conversations with people that I find inspiring. This is Sabrina Monarch of monarchastrology.com, bringing you the astrology forecast for August 11th to August 17th, 2021. So excuse the um, all white background. Um, I haven't decorated this part of my new place yet, um, at least not what you can see behind the desk. So this week we have Mercury and Mars um, in Virgo. So Mercury is currently in Leo, late Leo at the moment that I record this. But during this week, Mercury will move into Virgo on the 11th, so tomorrow. And then both Mercury and Mars will square the lunar nodes, which are currently in Sagittarius and Gemini. And in my practice in evolutionary astrology, Planet squaring the nodes is a huge deal. It's one of my favorite things to talk about, one of my favorite things to go over in um, client chart readings. So I'm excited to talk to you about that for this week. Um, so Mercury and Mars and Virgo, each squaring the, the nodes of the moon. Planets squaring the nodes relate to a karmic impasse. And the forces represented by those planets are seeking greater integration into our lives via the pathway of the nodes. For us, there will be some retrieval of energy and vitality, which is Mars. So our energy or vitality may be actually feeling stressed at the moment, right? Mars is square the nodes, so that can relate to um, like an under arousal or hyper arousal, like some kind of um, imbalance with Mars. So, you know, feeling kind of overly energized, um, overly heated, overly frustrated or um, fatigued or lacking motivation, like some kind of Martian extreme um, and something around communication and language. So Mercury also scoring the nodes. Um, so vitality, energy and good communication to be found through increasingly honest conversation and self-talk. Because we're looking at an integration of the Sagittarius and Gemini nodes. So the Sagittarius-Gemini axis brings together communication, Gemini, uh, the capacity to transmit language that conveys something, Gemini, understanding, you know, symbol and symbolized, signal and signified, right? So getting something across by using the right combination of words and then the truth, Sagittarius, right? Or our understanding of truth. And so when these are out of balance, Sagittarius and Gemini, you can have um, the ways that we're dishonest to ourselves and others reflected in our speech, you know, just saying things that aren't really true or kind of like hiding the truth. Um, a form that this takes place is in 
catering a message to elicit a particular response in relationship instead of actually saying what you mean. So you're trying to kind of manage the environment by saying the right things instead of actually letting yourself come forward. Um, and that helps maintain fakeness or inauthenticity and disconnection really in relationship. Um, another thing could be as we're navigating our you know, journeys in life, acting like everything's fine when it's not, pretending, um, yeah, sure, I'm fine, right? Instead of actually honestly disclosing where we're at and then having the opportunity to bring that into the dialogue, right? Or even maybe it's not that there is a problem, but just that you have some, some inspiration and to seed that into conversation. It's really just examining right now if the things that are coming out of your mouth, if the things that you are putting into the air um, are expansive, if they're reflecting something true within you, or if you're just kind of um, spinning your wheels in some kind of uh, fake belief system, narrative, whatever that um, is easier or habitual to exist inside of. Hence, would probably feel tiring, not enlivening, the opposite of energizing to be situated within some kind of false narrative. Um, this goes along with self-talk as well, right? So just the, every time that we're encountering, say, like our own experience of life, um, our identity, how we are depicting what's happening around us, we are telling stories and we're interpreting the events, right? And so not all interpretations are life-giving. Sometimes we could have a really um, harsh interpretation of ourselves or be applying a lens to the way that we're viewing reality that really disconnects us from other people or disconnects us from life. And it's not always easy to tell when we're doing this, but it certainly gets reflected to us in conversation or, um, this is where I think the Sagittarius Gemini also, this axis really involves the, uh, the querent and the diviner, right? So, uh, the client and the reader, the person asking the question and the person answering it. I find that individuals who are born with this placement, um, of any planet squaring the nodes in Gemini and Sagittarius are these very wise conversationalists. They have this amazing context or kind of vast perspective with Sagittarius and this kind of playful curiosity with Gemini and the capacity to bring these really expansive things into conversation. Um, and so just thinking about if there is someone in your life or if you are this person who can always spin a perspective, you know, hear someone's problems and then offer a way to look at it that kind of like brightens the person up and gives them this aha moment. And then they go forth and have a more expanded experience in their life because they saw from that conversation that they were applying a highly limited lens to their current impasse or issue. So you can see how conversation and bringing forth, you know, that deeper truth inside of us, whether we're the one asking the question or we're the one offering advice um, or offering perspective. And certainly there's a tact, you know, it's funny because Sagittarius by itself without the Gemini is kind of like 
the person who may be a little bit alienating with their advice gives unsolicited advice. And Gemini is very socially aware and understands, you know, how to deliver a message. And so all of these little pieces of tact or social finesse, such as with friends, where you're like hearing a friend talk about something and you know to ask, do you want me to just listen or do you want advice? Right. Or if this were me, I would, you know, whatever way that we phrase it to kind of um, soften the bluntness, if you care about that. Sometimes Sagittarius just really doesn't care and it's fine just being kind of, um, let's lay everything out. Um, so we're looking at that kind of axis of communicative capacity, Gemini, and expansive wisdom, Sagittarius, and how those two come together, how we kind of go back and forth between them. An example of going back and forth between them could be um, if you find yourself in a conversation where you're just kind of exploding internally, where you want to say something, but you feel like it's going to not land well. You're like, this is, I don't know if this person can handle the truth, or I don't know if I can handle my own nervous system if I speak the truth, right? So that sense of something bigger that's hard to put into words not necessarily because we don't have the words, but we may be lacking the courage, which is where Mars comes in, square the nodes. Now, if this has all just sounded like a random ramble, I apologize, but I hope that um, however these words are working on you and whatever images are coming up or ways that it's constellating ideas in your consciousness or memories or recollections of what's happening in your current environment. Um, that's all this is kind of meant to do is offer that kind of perspective of what's happening in your life at the moment. So back to what I wrote here, we may feel tired or fatigued in a way that is remedied by enlivening ideas or a sagacious exchange of words. We know that the mind-body connection is a thing, so too do certain ideas slow our energy to a molasses pace or other ideas brighten and move us. So we think we're tired, you know, our body may truly be tired, or it may be that the thoughts that we're thinking are making us feel super tired versus, you know, when an idea enters your consciousness and your whole body like just lights up and you feel ready to go. The Gemini Sagittarius axis is about truth, storytelling, narrative, information, experience, novelty, belief, and logic. It also relates to local, like neighborhood stuff, Gemini, as well as like international or far travel, short trips and long trips. It relates to how we spin the stories we weave, how we can bend things, our perceptions, the information and evidence we collect to our beliefs or subconscious beliefs, how we can subtly be dishonest with ourselves and others. It can also relate to our capacity to be flexible with our minds and entertain new ideas that offer us just the inspiration that we need to move forward with more optimism or delight. The Gemini Sagittarius axis teaches me about the transformational potential of conversation. Sagittarius holds wisdom and intuition that is often beyond language and Gemini translates it or through wordplay opens up portals to other worlds. I find that in good company, 
when we actually talk about the things that matter the most to us or are of the essence of the now moment, conversation will naturally generate an effervescent aha moment that can inspire more aliveness as a ripple effect long after the conversation is over. Now, I say in good company because not everyone's receptive, you know? Um, These days in my life, I find that when I speak and share things in social conversations, that there's like a fun kind of reciprocity and exchange. Growing up, limited to a suburb that I wasn't choosing to live in, but I was just there, you know, a lot of the things that came out of my mouth, I felt just kind of landed on um, just silence (laughs) and no response, right? Or I would say things and people would be like, I don't, that's interesting, Sabrina, but I don't really relate or know what you're talking about, you know? And so if, um, if you're surrounded by people that don't relate to the things that you think about, it doesn't necessarily mean that what you're thinking about isn't valid. It's just that you're in an environment where you're experiencing alienation. Um, And that can happen at various points in our experience. So often something that I experience in the astrology world and the conversations that happen um, with clients and students is that we talk about things that aren't always things that are super accessible to talk about in our communities, just like out in the world. Maybe like if we have those, um, but you can't talk to everyone about your secondary progressions or this particular transit you're getting from Pluto. Like it doesn't necessarily resonate with people who don't speak that language. So just kind of thinking about the value in having conversation with people who speak a similar language or have a similar resonance, or at least can get on the same page with you and throw you another perspective. Um, This is one reason I love to talk to my coach because every situation I bring to her in my life, she has a perspective about it that I wouldn't have thought about. And I'm always just blown away. So that idea that, you know, if someone can see you, if they can resonate with you, if they can get on the same page with you and offer you a heightened perspective, that is going to be kind of a grace of that Gemini Sagittarius axis. With the configuration of Mercury and Mars and Virgo squaring the lunar nodes right now, um, another thing I want to bring up is that we may want to be mindful of what I would call playfully here, conceptual greed. Conceptual greed being the need to know why we are following our inspiration. Will it all work out? What is the final result I can expect? Will everything follow a plan I can intellectually understand right now? So this idea that Mars being kind of our willpower, Mercury being our um, capacity to connect the dots intellectually, that we may not have access at this moment to a bigger picture Sagittarius vision of why we're doing what we're doing. We may have an inspiration and then kind of second guess it because it doesn't make sense logically. Like we don't fit it into the bigger picture. 
Um, and so I think that there's kind of an energy with this Mercury, Mars and Virgo where Virgo is very like what's right in front of my nose. Like what is this like intricate beaded, um, craft necklace that I'm working on. And I'm looking at like one tiny seed bead at a time, you know, and not looking at the big picture. It's like working on a huge painting and you're just working on one detail and you're so zoomed into it that you can't actually see the bigger picture. And being able to trust that there may be something that's calling our attention to to in, invest in like our time and energy, but we don't understand why it fits into the whole of our lives. So I get an image of laying down bricks one at a time for a building that is still taking shape or one that we don't have a total finalized blueprint of yet. It's like the future is like neuroplastic bendy or we are being asked to take some steps without having it all figured out, you know, and what's the alternative, like literally just doing nothing because we don't have the blueprint, right? So Virgo relates to kind of this busy bee worker kind of energy or total neglect of like, oh, this is too overwhelming. I'm just going to lay in bed. I don't want to take care of what I need to take care of right now. So when we stop clinging to this need to be all-knowing or to have all the information, all-knowing Sagittarius, all the information, Gemini, yet we still pursue the questions that compel us, engage our curiosity, talk about our experience, have real honest conversations, we may notice that life itself is giving us the pieces of the story and perhaps also the time to digest the most profound details as they trickle into our conscious register of awareness. Right? So I'm talking about just really surrendering that need to understand and have all the information in order to take one step at a time and move forward on your life path and your dharma and the inspirations that are calling you to kind of more unconditionally, prayerfully, move into those spaces of what's calling you without necessarily knowing the whole big picture. Not that you can't be working on understanding that, but you know, there's a certain kind of magical, I think like Rilke has this quote of kind of living the question right? That sometimes you don't have the, you know, I wish I, I had the exact quote, but something about these unanswered questions, like a locked room in your heart or something like that. And this kind of patient living the question, um, because you're not ready for that answer yet. Like you're moving into the spaciousness to be able to hold that answer. And so, if you identify on being some kind of mythic quest, say there's something you've desired your whole life and you haven't realized it yet, but you've been questing for it and you keep getting clues, life keeps opening and showing you things and you're just getting these like pieces of the picture and you're being initiated. Eventually it becomes beautiful to just relax into that um, incremental process of expansion and being on the journey as opposed to needing to bypass all of that and just get to the, the finish line. 
So a few announcements before we continue on. You can find me on Instagram at Sabrina Monarch. Um, you can also join my mailing list, which is a great way to stay in touch with me, get the forecasts in written version and the link to the YouTube um, every week in your inbox. And also hear from me about when my course is open for enrollment, when my books open and other kind of special events um, that I'm hosting. My novel, which I also have <laughs> here, uh, the Garden of Sleeping Hammers is out and you can purchase it via the links below. Um, I'll be working on getting it available in more formats or more channels, but right now you can find it on Barnes & Noble paperback or hardcover. And then um, the Evolutionary Astrology Intensive that I teach is coming up again, November of 2021. You can read the course page for more information, read student testimonials. This is a program that I've been teaching since 2017 and just love. Um, it's a really comprehensive introduction to evolutionary astrology and really kind of a immersion in starting your own intuitive, felt, relational process with astrology, you know, so that you are building your own associations with the planets and really feeling them and building your own architecture internally to have a relationship with astrology. Um, and as you saw me get to this slide, um, I announced this last time, but this is the latest episode of Magic of the Spheres, the eroticism of Saturn and constellations from a Saturn return in Aquarius with Ari Felix. We've been hearing a lot of great feedback about this episode. Um, I have new ones coming out for you soon, um, but if you haven't listened to this one yet, go ahead and check that out. Okay, and I will get back into our week. On August 11th, Mars in seven degrees of Virgo will square the lunar nodes in seven degrees of Gemini, north node and seven degrees of Sagittarius, south node at 1.59 a.m. So we've just been talking about this, but a little bit more to say. Given the karmic nature of the lunar nodes, it's like conflict, Mars, arising currently can strike a deeper chord of memory, like here I am again or here we are again. One tendency may to be maybe to collapse the issue by having a belief about it, as in this is the way I am, or this is just the way this other person or this other situation is. But a deeper opening could be curiosity and dialogue. A cue that more nuance or realization is being asked for could be if our frustration boils down to a core sense of victimization, where we feel powerless, helpless, inept, overwhelmed, like any of those things that really come down to a sense of being in a victim state, um, or hooked into the drama of perceiving another person in this way. They're helpless, they're inept, and I'm annoyed with them, or I need to fix it for them, or any of that. Being in a state of victimization certainly collapses possibilities and enforces role play along what is called the victim triangle. And I'll leave a link in the notes for you to read about this um, amazing teaching 
about these different archetypes of the victim, the persecutor and the rescuer and how they all kind of um, circle between each other. There's some call potentially for the greater capacity to identify complex feelings, name them and share them in an increasingly open and collaborative way. Some finer details of the situation are not obvious, shared knowledge, but rather necessarily transmitted through open communication. Mercury enters Virgo the same day, 2.57 p.m. Pacific, and will stay in Virgo until August 29th. Mercury is at home in Gemini and in Virgo. In Virgo, Mercury has an especially easeful time organizing internal information as opposed to external, which happens in Gemini. Meaning in Gemini, we collect information out in the world. We collect information socially, we read the news, we research, these kinds of things. And in Virgo, we assimilate and digest information we've collected. We feel how it sits with us. Virgo brings about a kind of humility when we realize we do have to digest everything. The environment, the people we choose to be around, the thoughts we have. So we're drawn to notice where we have imbibed incorrectly, internalized another person's value system in an unnecessary way, been unkind to ourselves or eaten foods that our body does not digest well, for example. And with Virgo, I think there's also really a relationship here with um, self-esteem, grace, forgiveness, and shame. So having some kind of grace um, and humility and like what's our relationship with... So an example I can think of is like after you've spoken, so after you've been in a conversation, after you've presented something... Um, to another person or in front of a group. And when that is done and you're kind of in the next frame of time, if you're still thinking about the things you said and beating yourself up about it, of like, oh, I can't believe, like, oh, that was so cringy. Why did I do that? And it's like noticing how that kind of persecutory energy towards the self is um, not necessarily helpful, right? It's like a way of just kind of beating yourself down and um, sometimes, you know, it's, it's coming to a greater understanding of the context of yourself, of life, to be able to hold those things of, you know, it wasn't actually shameful that I said that thing. Um, and extending that kind of grace and expansion to yourself. And other times it is noticing, oh, I did kind of do something that doesn't sit well with me. Can I let that wash through me, take in that awareness and do better the next time, right? But not just kind of go into this like masticating, chewing, like self-hatred process of going over and over and over and over and over, you know, in this kind of anxious pattern that can be kind of like a Virgo thing. So just thinking about, you know, digestion, we digest our food smoothly, great. Or we have this kind of like, mm, it's uh, not sitting well in our stomach or having indigestion. The same thing can happen with our thoughts and ideas. Um, and so learning about 
<laughs> what enzymes, what, you know, at a physical or metaphorical level, help you metabolize, process, and move things through. But Virgo is also the discernment of realizing, like, you know what? It's not helping me right now to read my newsfeed. It's not helping me right now to read the news. It's not helping me right now to eat a bunch of junk food. And what we're really called to cultivate and pay attention to, right? So that we're not just in an, an in avoidance, but where, um, you know, so for example, maybe your focus is about parenting and being, you know, concerned with that, um, being concerned about like caring and like building relationship and learning new skills, um, as opposed to doom scrolling, right? It's like, but on the other hand, if you are a journalist reading the news <laughs> or being in that world is going to be more part of your, um, your world. So just kind of thinking about where, where do you need to pay attention? What are you avoiding that you need to pay attention to? And what are you intaking unnecessarily that's um, jamming up your digestion in some way or another? Though it often takes care and conscientiousness, we can find the systems or maps that click for us, a skincare routine that actually works, foods that harmonize with our bodies, a system in the workplace or home that creates more efficiency and ease, etc. Sometimes the solutions are so simple, but the road to get there is so complex, so much unraveling. Virgo can induce a need for taking one step at a time steadily, as considering all of the details can be overwhelming or create analysis paralysis. When it comes to taking care of the finer details of our lives, Mercury and Virgo could be the joy of crossing things off our to-do list and the skillfulness of mindset and attitude around being able to approach the multitudes of things to do or pay attention to without collapsing, taking responsibility where we need to, and letting go of unnecessary work we've created through ourselves through emotional complexes like perfection. I have to do it all. I have to be it all. I have to be an expert in 10,000 things, you know, whatever it is that's putting all this stress on your system to perform all these little details in every single area of life, right? It's just not really possible. And because it's not possible to be that meticulously exact about every single area of our lives, it's like figuring out where it is true and necessary to be that present and what we need to kind of surrender to other forces in some sense. And the humility really of being on that path. I think it, it can be helpful to think about resistance you know, where it's like if there's something in your life that you have a really big resistance to, that may also be a place that's being neglected and maybe a place that needs to be leaned into. As opposed to like when you have that discernment and you're just like, no, that's not for me. 
right? Then we have Venus in 24 degrees of Virgo, trine Pluto retrograde in 24 degrees of Capricorn at 3.45 p.m. Venus-Pluto aspects highlight transformations in self-esteem, love, beauty, and relationship. Depending on where we are at in the storyline, there are quite a range of experiences here. Something that precipitates transformation is often feeling extremely uncomfortable with where we are at. And in the key of Pluto, this can look like self-loathing, jealousy, or disgust. Super fun, thanks. On the other hand, a kind of harvest moment of Venus-Pluto is feeling like we are on the other end of a profound struggle, experiencing the fruit or realization of a long-cherished desire. I mean, have you personally, or do you know someone who it felt like they were just like clawing their way through glass shards, you know, having the most tumultuous, toxic experiences in love, and now they're like happily with someone where they have that passion and like healthful uh, attachment and connection. Like that's a very kind of um, big transformational arc. Sometimes people don't fully go through with that where they kind of um, have the passion in their youth and then let that go and then kind of have a more stable, but something like some deeper like Eros is missing. I'm talking about maintaining that passion, but it going from toxicity and codependency and all of this just power battles to this kind of um, deeper, richer, more mature expression of love. Um, and the more that I get to know people um, and get to know people's stories, a lot of people have these kinds of thrashing, inner violent, like drama, trauma kind of stuff that then flowers into this most beautiful realization of themselves, right? And so I think Pluto really works that way where it's like, it is our power. And before we fully own and claim and sit with the gravity of that power, we just like leak it out to these other places. We see a part of ourselves in someone else and then we have to have that person, right? Or uh, there's just this kind of like alchemical process with Pluto. And so just thinking about this with Venus Pluto, it's like going from that feeling of having to claw and grasp and struggle and things being so hard in love or in terms of our self-image, right? To this kind of like, ah, like I've arrived somewhere or... I look around and I see all this beauty and I materialized it kind of energy. And, you know, if you're not there at that state of like profound realization or gratitude, thinking about the possibility that you are moving toward that, like if you desire something so intensely, there's kind of two possibilities here. Either your desire is kind of distorted a little bit, like socially indoctrinated. Um, you think that you should want something because other people around you have it and you should have it too, but it's not actually true to you. 
and the liberation of letting that go, or it is true to you and you're on the path of getting there. Your soul is guiding you. The, you know, desire is kind of a internal engine of the soul towards its evolution. So tapping into that kind of personal power of like, if I truly want something, if it is in my heart, if it is in the heart of God for me to realize this, then I will. What do I need to do? What are the next steps to materialize it? Because Venus and Pluto are both in Earth signs, the arena that this transformation or realization is taking place in <clears throat> may be very tactile, physical, grounded, relating to things such as the cultivation of home environment, the garden, the body, the wardrobe, physical possessions, food, etc. Things you can touch, things you can experience with your senses. Another angle to consider is the way that Pluto and Capricorn relates to a deconstruction of societal conditioning, which includes patriarchal values. And Venus and Virgo can relate to the aspiration to be perfect. This calls to mind images like beauty pageants or a tight, controlled approach to experiencing Venus as opposed to the practice or praxis of opening from within, embodying one's form, and developing an intrinsic, internally-based relationship with pleasure, right? So this is a very complex idea, um, and I think one that truly must be lived, but it's essentially... Um, you can just picture the difference between someone who is working very hard in this very controlling way to be beautiful or Venusian. Um, and there's a harshness about the energy and a lack of joy from the internal where it's like, you may have the, the external veneer, but it feels like it could crack at any moment. And, um, you know, it's kind of a sad image because in a sense, a person in that state is, is going for an experience, but they're kind of going about it in a way that's a little bit twisted. Um, and I don't really say this with judgment because I've totally been there too. It's part of, I think, the Venusian path of uh, internal pleasure versus external comparing and uh, coveting and stuff versus the person who is sensuous, feels comfortable in their body, no matter how conventionally beautiful or attractive they are, they're just kind of like glowing. There's a suppleness about them. They, they seem like they are at home and shameless in their form and they're just exuding radiance. And I think that internally or like uh, from an ideal sense, a lot of us want to experience that reality of that suppleness, that feeling of just luxuriating in the the garden of ourselves and of like the riches of life right and when we're trying to get there in a way that feels clawy and clingy and um controlling and contracted it's like we're we're latching onto the form the external of like well if i uh 
do this external thing to my appearance, then I will uh, feel this certain way. And it's not that these things are totally separate. You totally could change your appearance in an external way and then have that ripple into your internal being and feel like a different person because of it. Um, but I think that Venus and Virgo, Trine, Pluto and Capricorn just brings to mind that kind of complexity of where is this um, experience of beauty and the aspiration toward beauty, where is that taking place on terms of the spectrum of patriarchy versus like the wild feminine is another way that I could put it. Another theme could be etiquette, the craft of charm with Venus and Virgo. And, you know, Virgo is such a do-gooder. So I think Venus and Virgo can relate to etiquette um, and the social standards with Pluto and Capricorn. Etiquette varies culturally, personally, and in different spaces. Um, I have so many thoughts on the etiquette of good conversation, and I want to share that at some point because it's like I have my own personal vision of etiquette, and I don't really care if other people abide by it per se. Like, I don't need to prescribe it onto others, but it's stuff that I've thought about with my Mercury-Venus conjunction of like the art of conversation and stuff like that. So certain etiquette may be antiquated, antiquated, <laughs> antiquated or stuffy, um, while other forms of etiquette actually do condition an experience into something more beautiful. Right? So like, do you legitimately care if someone's elbows are on the table? Like, maybe not. But do you care? Um, I'm trying to think of like a good example, you know, but like those just like little kind of details of relationality, like what time someone texts you or if you get like a, hey, what's up? Like, at 11 p.m. and you're just like, I don't really like the, <laughs> I don't like this, right? Or, um, but maybe that also doesn't bother you, right? Like there's just like different forms of politeness um, in connection that I think Venus and Virgo, and there's something worth saying here too, is that Venus and Virgo can be very, like Virgo in general can be very preferential. Like I need you to, like have this very particular skill set in order for me to open and feel connection with you. Um, that's a preference. Anyway, there's a creative utility to etiquette, but not all etiquette values are equal. So is it restrictive? Is it supportive? Um, yeah, for what it's worth, I think etiquette may be kind of something in the field with Venus and Virgo, Trine, Pluto, and Capricorn, and either transforming our concept of etiquette, um, like removing a layer of some kind of bullshit etiquette, or considering something that, you know, this is good form, and I care about this, and maybe I'll also communicate that I have a need here and see if another person will meet me. August 15th. Mercury in seven degrees of Virgo will square the lunar nodes in seven degrees of Gemini north and seven degrees Sagittarius south. So now Mercury follows suit at 7.45 p.m. Mercury follows suit of Mars here, and at the time of Mercury squaring the nodes, Mercury and Mars are only three degrees apart in Virgo. So we have this Mercury-Mars conjunction that will, that will exact in the next forecast. 
Mercury-Mars together squaring the nodes can relate to some impasse at the moment around confrontational dialogue. Having the courage to say something, um, knowing that if we speak our minds or speak what's coming up for us, that it will create a confrontation of some kind. Even if it's a micro confrontation. On one side of the spectrum, there's the fear of confrontation and the self-minimizing that can occur when one does not voice or even value their own needs and instead swallows it and plays martyr or doormat. On the other side of the spectrum, there's the bully and perpetrator energy, the capacity for verbal domination and vitriol and cruelty and excessive force with language or communication. We may be in situations that call for a more skillful use of force, not too little, not too much. Little Goldilocks Mars here. And we may make mistakes here as we learn the skillful use of will. I think there's a real humility here in terms of just like, life is messy, relationships are messy, we're learning, we're growing. So like having, we need the experience or the languages or the skill sets to become more skillful, the experiences. And so along that arc of increased skill, if relationship is something we care about and invest energy into and value, you know, and continue to put craft into, um, we're not always going to be perfect. Others won't always be. So I think that there could be a real grace um, here of accepting things as they are or the imperfections. And there's still this kind of striving aspirational quality with Virgo. Um, but Yeah, I'll leave that thought there. Conflict can be a gateway toward deeper intimacy, and it can also reveal the end of the line, a place where relationship or agreement has become incompatible. If we are in the karmic pattern of playing out excessive acrobatics to hide, keep the peace, not rock the boat, etc., we are using the skill of adjustment, Virgo, to attune to an inauthentic situation. Bringing truth into our lives and into the open air through dialogue invites change and the opportunity to take responsibility in leading a more authentic and honest life, even if that means we lose people. So I think here's where courage comes in, right? With Mars, Mercury, and Virgo. It's like the courage to say something, even, you know, there can be consequences. There will be consequences. It may make things better, right? Or it may reveal, oh, we're not actually on the same page or we don't have the same values. Then we have to take responsibility for that. So when this is not a habit, honesty. Um, honesty threatens to collapse everything, like a tower falling moment. So beginning to tell the truth is necessarily going to be dramatic um, if we are living on a house of cards. So when honesty is a habit, then intimacy with others and with life is deepened incrementally at every turn of honest revealing, right? It's not like we just arrive at some place of full 
everything that needs to be said has been said because life keeps happening and we keep growing. So, and our perspective keeps changing. So there's always opportunities and doorways to deepen intimacy with ourselves and with life. And when we lie to ourselves and lie to others in small ways, it really, there's a, a lack of courage there. I'm just going to call it. And it's something that I work with too. Like it does take bravery to say things. Um, so we're dealing with that side of Mars. But there's also a loss of intimacy that occurs. Um, and a kind of settling or sacrifice. And so I think there's this, I feel like kind of this heroic vision of Mars here of like living with a fierce heart um, and leaning into life at every turn as opposed to hiding or shrinking away from it. Then Venus enters Libra at 9.27 p.m. Pacific. Venus will stay in Libra until September 10th. Like Mercury entering into a home sign, Venus also enters one of her home signs. We have Taurus and Libra as Venus home. Venus and Libra highlights choice and negotiation. Unlike Aries, the opposite sign to Libra, who mostly acts from a place of singular focus, head first. Libra is the scales, right? So Libra is considering um, multiple options and therefore deliberates. Libra thinks more about how decisions will influence the environment or other people or fate itself. Part of this balance is of course also including the self, which is what Aries is so good at, knowing what one wants and values and taking that into account. When balancing one's own wants and needs with the environment and relationships, negotiation comes into play, also bringing in Libran themes like diplomacy and fairness. This transit can be a time to notice how we participate in advocating for our needs and desires within a social and relational context, as well as how we move toward others. This includes voicing our desires and giving the opportunity for others to meet us there, as well as really listening to others' desires and asking them. Libra also highlights reciprocity, of which there are many kinds, probably infinite kinds of reciprocity. One kind of reciprocity could be to notice if others lean into your needs and requests and desires, or if they move away from you when you have a need or a desire. I'll say that again. Noticing if others lean into your needs and requests and desires, or if they move away from you when you have a need or a request or a desire. We can take this personally, but this is also information, perhaps more so, information about how that person shows up in their relationships. You, you're having an emotion? Shut that down. I'm not available for that. I'm also not available for my own kind of thing, right? So thinking about, it's not about how worthy you are, how loved you are. Oftentimes it's just about how that other person is showing up. And I think Libra can have that capacity to judge and assess that. We have to really consider if we are willing to participate in relationships where another person does not lean in. 
sometimes people imagine Libra in this kind of spineless people pleaser way, but that is only if Libra takes themselves out of the equation and balances in relationships where they are not actually included, where there is no reciprocity. A Libra in touch with their own values is one of the fiercest and most graceful negotiators I've ever encountered. I think there's something really like, it's not all or nothing. I think there's a deep fierceness in Libra of that if someone is in touch with their own truth and the sovereignty of their own being and legitimately loves another person and there's some kind of relational discord, walking that and being in that there is a kind of fierceness in that because you you want the harmony with that other person you want to be heard and being able to hold these kind of multiple things of your truth and your dignity and your integrity and your desire and the truth of the other person um I think there's there's room for a lot of nobility in that of like actually really respecting your sovereignty and that other person's sovereignty um, that I think is this kind of solar radiance of the Libra archetype. And where there is a true willingness to lose people, let friends, relationships, work relationships, etc. go if it's not a match. There's room to advocate for higher values or the truer, deeper thing, as opposed to collapsing into codependency. This does not mean relationships are disposable or easily discarded, or that it's always a higher ideal that matters more than another person right in front of you. But that the relationship itself isn't God. Love and collaboration involves choice subconscious drives and needs that bond people together unwillfully is just addiction. And where there is choice, there's the freedom for real connection. So considering this, um, Venus entering Libra, Mercury entering Virgo, Mercury and Mars square the nodes, um, In general, it seems like there's a major theme around seeking greater wisdom and perspective in our lives and also voicing things that maybe we're afraid to say. And really kind of listening for that whisper, right? Of this is the time or sometimes there is no good time. So we don't also have to wait for the perfect time or something like that, but feeling into that a deeper embodied truth within yourself of what needs to come forth. Where am I hiding? Where am I scared? And noticing that life is probably giving you the opportunity to add more aliveness and more vitality and more honesty as opposed to hiding that away and using that kind of, um, using mental acrobatics to just maintain what already exists, that um, maybe there is a little bit of an interruptive or a kind of like throwing a wrench in things energy. Um, 
And so also having some spaciousness and maybe expecting that that may come up in the field too. Um, and being able to really listen, really listen and really honestly share um, and see what kind of magic can be co-created in that space. So thank you for being here. I forgot to say earlier, please like this video. Please leave a comment. Let me know what you think and what resonated with you, how you're doing and subscribe to this channel. I don't know if I already said that um, and hit the notification bell, get on my mailing list, follow me on Instagram at Sabrina Monarch, all of the things. I love you all. Have a beautiful week. Bye.